Good to see you. Many of our leaders this week are on a leadership retreat, so I'll be uh, sharing the word uh, with you today. And um, let's actually bow our heads and pray before the message and pray for our leaders as well. Heavenly Father, we thank you for uh, this day that you've given us. We thank you for uh, this life that you've given us. We thank you for your son, which you've given for us, who shed his blood who died for our sin on the cross and who was raised again to life and to glory and who gives us his Holy Spirit as that marker that we are children of God. We thank you uh, for the message ahead. We thank you for uh, the gathering of, church, uh, of, uh, of what it means to be a church, for the gathering of your holy people. I, th- I thank you for my brothers and sisters who are here and uh, we pray for our leadership that you will give them fresh vision uh, for our leaders who are out at, and just receiving the word at another church, we pray that uh, you'll speak to them powerfully and that you'll uh, give them direction and convict their hearts as they um, are returning back to us this week to uh, continue to serve and love us and help us to serve and love others. We thank you for this time in Jesus' name. Amen. A few years ago, uh, I was invited out by a friend of mine uh, to a restaurant to go eat. He said, hey, can I just take you out? Uh, to not take you out like, you know, in a bad way, but can I take you, well, that wouldn't be a friend, but he said, can I take you out to uh, like a restaurant to go eat? I'm like, oh, well, that sounds really nice. He's like, yeah, don't worry, I'll pay for it. It's, it's you know, it's, it's just, just trust. I'm like, okay, where are we going? And he said, just trust. And I'm like, oh, okay. And I'm trying to Google, like, I'm, I'm like getting Yelp ready. I'm like, what's it called? And he's like, trust. And I'm like, trust? <laughs> Nothing. I'm like, Really, I want to know, like, how do, I, how do I dress? Is this like a fancy dinner? Is it like a dinky taco truck or something? And he's like, oh, no, this is well over $100. I'm like, whoa, man, where, where is it? And he's like, just get in the car and trust. I'm like, man, where are you taking me? Am I coming back with my kidneys or what, you know? So he pulls up to my house, and I get in the car, and I'm like, okay, now really, where are we going? He's like, he's driving, he's being all quiet. He's like, just trust. And he takes me to this alley, and there's a door that just says trust. And I'm like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> this is like something from a John Bunyan like story or something like Christian and his friend Ignorance went into you know a place called Trust. I'm like great, you know. And uh, if you've ever read Pilgrim's Progress, then you'll know what I'm talking about. But anyway, so I go in there and and I there's only like 12 chairs and there's all these uh, you know these these uh, chefs like running around like different stations and everything. I'm like what's happening? I'm like where's the menu? He's like. I'm like, what is this trust thing that you're talking about? And the chefs like walk up one by one and just put on each of our plates like, here you go, this is a blah, 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 s'il vous plaît, blah, blah, blah. I don't know what it is. I don't speak French. I'm like, what the heck is this? And, and it was the most delicious food I've ever eaten. And the whole idea and the whole experience was that you just trust whatever they're going to make that day is going to be amazing, right? And luckily, praise God, it, it was amazing. It was one of the best meals I've ever had in my life. Now, why did I trust <laughs> to go there? Why did I actually do this? Uh, you know, as opposed to like, like uh, okay. Now, I was very tempted, of course. Like, I'm like yelping. I'm trying to find. I'm like, have you, like, where, where is, you know, so-and-so taking me? And they're like, oh, I don't know. I'm like, oh, this is weird. This is freaky, right? But I trusted my friend. Why? Because he is very savvy in the way of gastronomy, okay? In other words, he, he knows his stuff when it comes to food. He, he himself is also a very good chef, so I'm like, okay, I went along with it. I knew the character of who it was that I was trusting in. Does that make sense? 
We all trust in something. We all put our trust in some sort of wisdom to kind of guide our life, right? And if we don't fully trust something, then we're going to try to find as much resources as possible to try to assemble something, if that makes sense. For example, you trust that the university that you're going to is going to open up doors for you somehow, that your education is going to get you a job. You trust that uh, this relationship will somehow be good and all of these things, right? So we all trust in something. Now, unfortunately, for us as Christians, we fail to quite often trust in what God has to say. We trust what the Bible has to say. And so often, we find ourselves trying to plug in holes in the failures of trust that we have in God by going to Google, by going to Yelp, by going to TED Talks, by going to so many other things that are at our disposal. Never before than today in the 21st century have we had so many opinions and so many options of education than today. Why? Because of the internet. You're able to just trust in whatever Google says. You're able to trust in the Yelpers in your neighborhood. You're able to trust all these other things. And I'm not, I'm not by any means saying that it's bad to trust in those things, like to say, well, I only trust in the Bible to find out whether the restaurant down the street is good. That's kind of ridiculous to say, right? You're like, well, this talks about sacrifice right here. And, you know, it's like, no, no, no. But what do you really trust in when it comes to guiding and making decisions in life? What do you really trust in when it comes to your whole conception of what life is about. Because I'm, I'm willing to say that most, even Christians, are, are able to say, well, yeah, it's Jesus. I trust in Jesus and something else. I trust in Jesus and my education. That's going to carry me. I trust in Jesus, yeah, and my looks. I trust in Jesus and my job. I mean... You know, it's like it would be irresponsible, right? I gotta make money, right? We all trust in Jesus as Christians. But even with us, there's other philosophies and other life things that we just we tend to get wrapped up in often. And we put our security, we say we put our security in Jesus, but really it's in something else. And the way that that works itself out is you don't see any growth in your life. Now, this was a situation that was going on in the church of Corinth. That is what we're looking at today. Uh, if we read in 1 Corinthians, if you open up your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10, you'll find uh, what Paul is addressing right away. This is an ancient Greek town, okay? Long, long time ago, 2,000 years ago, Corinth uh, was one of the centers of wisdom, okay? It wasn't far from Athens, which is a place where people would all get together and, and talk about, like, Ooh, what's the newest philosophy? What, in other words, what's the newest TED Talk that's going on? Like, ooh, everybody talking about that. Ooh, all right. This is the best way to live life. This is how you can have the most happiness. This is how you can not feel so bad about things, right? And, and people would come together, and whoever could debate the best, whoever could give the best or funniest story, whoever could look the best, they would win. And then everybody would be like, oh, yeah, let's go with that, until somebody else came along and said, hmm, no, 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 no. Education is good, but hmm, sex, Yes. If we want to be inclusive as a society, maybe we should all have sex with each other. Oh, well, I like inclusivity. I like sex. Let's do it, right? And so it was whatever the newest, greatest, latest, greatest philosophy was, that is what people would give into. Now, this leaked its way into the church in Corinth in the first century when Paul was writing. 
And these people were beginning to become divisive over one another. They were clinging on to different philosophies of life, and it got so bad that uh, if you were to flip forward, we're not going to go through it uh, today, but 1 Corinthians 11 talks about the Lord's Supper and this division that was happening in the church. The Lord's Supper back then was not just coming up and grabbing a wafer, and, and there was like division of like, I'm not sitting next to you when I eat this. The Lord's Supper was a whole full-blown meal, which I wish we could do every week. That would be awesome. Like, hey, we got some lambs, you know, lamb chops, and we got bread. That would be awesome. But unfortunately, it got so bad to the point where believers who were sitting in pews much like this would not even want to look at each other, talk to each other. In fact, they full-on just didn't like each other. They would deceive each other. Somebody may be hungry right next to you, and they got to the point where they're like, you know what, I don't really care about Jeff. I don't really care. Let's just, let's just not even invite him anymore. And Paul was... He just, he couldn't conceive of this. So the first four chapters of this letter, writing to this church, was saying, guys, you can't do this. This is crazy. What kind of witness is this showing to the world? Do you really believe in Jesus? Do you really believe that he died for everybody? Do you really believe that he chose you? Check out what he says in verse 10. This is what he says, his first, uh, the first thing that he's appealing to. I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say, and that there would be no divisions among you, but that you'll be perfectly united in mind and thought. Okay, that was the idea. Much like what Jesus prays about in John chapter 15, when he's like, hey, I, the Father chose all of you, okay? The Father chose you. I chose you to go and bear fruit. This was some bad fruit. And so when people would look at this church, all they would see is, oh, well, it's just a bunch of people who are like fighting with each other. This is no different from anything else in the world. This is much different. And Paul is saying, look at what it's doing to the witness of the church. And he attacks them right at the heart and says, I know what it is. It's different philosophies. It's different wisdom that you're appealing to other than what Jesus said. Now, this is actually a, 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 a very deep heart issue that goes all the way back to Genesis. In Genesis chapter 3, we have Adam and Eve, the first creation. Okay, Adam, from Adam, Eve. They were together with God, yes? Everything was happy, yes? Yes, everything was great. But then the tempter came, Satan, and tempted Eve and said, you know what, you can actually go ahead and take some of that fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. In other words, things that are beyond God. Like there's actually something else that God didn't reveal to you. You can take it and be just like him. You can have the mind of God. Don't you want to have the mind of God? And she's like, oh, well, okay, yeah. Right? She gave it to her husband. I love doing that sound because all of you look up like, oh, what's happening? (laughs) Did he do a magic trick? And they took of that and their eyes were open. And indeed, they did have more knowledge. But now they had the capacity to sin, in other words, to break apart their relationship between God and one another. How so? Well, the moment they took of that, their eyes were opened and they saw that they were naked. Lord, what is what is she thinking of me? What does she think of me? Like, what is why do I'm naked? Like, this is this is weird. I'm naked. Oh, did she just look at me like that? Oh, what is it? He's just objectifying me. Like, right? It's like all of these thoughts now entered into the minds of God's creation, of God's people. And now there is separation, there is anxiety, there is insecurity. And so people right away became divisive between one another and between themselves and God. We see Adam right away accusing like, well, it was the woman's fault and it was the woman that you gave me, by the way. Okay, that's what's going on here. And it just multiplied and proliferated until we got to 1 Corinthians and until we got to here today. Where they're saying, well, okay, they heard the message of Jesus. 
that he came to unite people, that he chose people of every people group to draw them close to the, the Father's heart. And they said, yes, Jesus. But it was so hard for them to let go of all these other things that were coming into the church. And so Paul writes to this church, and he's like, look, don't you know that you were chosen by God? You don't have a right, what we talked about last week, you don't have a right to look on other people around you and say, like, well, I'm actually a little, I'm better than them in this way or that way. God selected and chose each and every person who has accepted Christ. He chose you from the beginning of time. Okay? You are the elect. You are the people of God. You are the holy ones. Actually, Paul says that in the very first, second verse, where he says, hey, to the, the saints. That word saint is actually holy one, hagios. That means that you are set apart. You're set apart from the rest of the world and fully devoted to, to be fully devoted to God as his child. Now we get to the second chapter, and there are some really riveting things about what Paul says here. He's like, hey, this is even more reason, okay? You have even more reason to have confidence that God chose you, and you have even less reason to compare yourselves to those around uh, you, okay? And he uses himself as an example. We're going to read through uh, all of chapter 2. It's only 16 verses. I think we can handle that. And then we're going to come back up and just take uh, two different sections, okay? So 1 Corinthians chapter 2, this is where Paul comes in and says, And so it was with me, brothers and sisters, when I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness, with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with the demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing, no, we declare God's wisdom a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. Verse 8, none of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. However, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. These are the things God has revealed to us by his Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. What we have received is not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught to us by human wisdom, or in words taught by, uh, but in words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with spiritual taught words. The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only by the Spirit. The person with the Spirit makes judgments about all things, but such a person is not subject to merely human judgments, for who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Look again at the very top, verses 1 and 2. This was the attitude that Paul came to this church with. You see, while everybody was coming with 
different, uh, there were different preachers and different teachers, and that's great. Just like there's Pastor Tony, there's me, there's Pastor Lynn. We have lots of pastors running around here. They all, different, they all have different styles of preaching. They all have different approaches because we all have different backgrounds, and that's great. And the whole church gets to see all the different flavors, chocolate, vanilla, strawberry of God, right? But what people were starting to do is saying, well, you know, but I really agree more with this philosophy, and I like how he preaches. Well, I, I like more so how he preaches. I like this vein of thought. I like this direction. And they weren't able to see the whole picture of what God was doing. And so they, they began to factionize and divide themselves and put themselves onto teams, if you will. And again, it's a terrible witness to the rest of the world, one, but at a deeper level, they were, just, they were just going back and reverting back to the sin from the very beginning where they're separating themselves from each other and from God. Really, what they were doing was trying to find and cling on to different teachers and say, no, see, I like this philosophy and I like this approach. Why? Because it speaks to the kingdom that I want to build. Does that make sense? I want to listen to what I want to listen to so that it kind of falls in line with what I already believe instead of seeking actual change. So what does Paul say? He's like, well, when I came to you, brothers and sisters, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. In other words, I didn't come in like saying and sharing like, look, I know better than everybody else. I know better than all the other preachers. I was educated at this place or they're not even Jews and I'm a Jew and that's what Jesus was. And so therefore, blah, 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 blah. But what does he do? Verse 2, For I resolved, or I made up my mind, to know nothing while I was among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Let's stop right there for just a moment. This verse really rattled my soul over the last month. Last month. This verse kept coming to the back of my mind. And God kept asking, what do you really put your trust in? What do you really put your trust in? What are you trying to accomplish? Do you really want to see my kingdom, the kingdom of God, come into this world? Or are you just trying to build your own kingdom? Because Paul here, look at how he does this. He says, look, of all, like, I decided to know nothing else. Mind you, Paul was just in Athens, by the way, in Acts 17. In Acts 18, he then goes into Corinth, 17, 18. Okay, there's a transition there, and he goes into Corinth. In Athens, Paul was talking about all the wisdom of the world, right? He was meeting people where they were at. He was on the steps of the Areopagus. This is where, like, it's like going into the institution, like one of the finest institutions in the world, and saying, like, okay, well, because of A and B, and I see this, but uh, let me tell you something that you missed here, right? And he's, he's really trying to uh, speak in a way that the world would understand. But here to Christians, he's like, I'm not using any of that information here. He was very well educated. He was a Jew of Jews. Right? He, he, he tells us in other letters, like, yeah, I had the education. I had the position. He was educated at one of the finest universities. But he says, I didn't trust in any of those things. I didn't use any of those things. I didn't try any tactics. I didn't try to bamboozle you some way. Okay? I resolved to know none of that. The only thing that I wanted to know and the only thing that I want known to you is Jesus Christ and him crucified. It was a very simple message. Jesus Christ and him crucified. Let me ask you something. When you walk away from a conversation with somebody, what do you think people, what, what kind of language are you using when you're talking? What kind, of, what kind of image do you want to project to those around you? Do you walk away thinking like, man, you know, 
I know that they think I'm smart now. They know that I know my stuff. They know that I went to Long Beach State. They know that I went to UCI. They know that I went to Berkeley. They went, yeah, you know what? So now they, I have a little bit of an in with that person. So now they, they think I'm smart. So that's good. So maybe then, oh, yeah, maybe I can use that and I can say like, well, you know, I'm really educated. Trust me, you know. So that's why you should believe in Jesus. That's not what Paul did. For some of us, it's money. For some of us, it is education. For some of us, it's our, our ethnicity. How many times have you been in a situation maybe where you're the only person uh, of your background and, you're, and you feel kind of awkward, right? And you're just like, oh, well, <laughs> I'm Asian, you know, <laughs> right? And you feel kind of awkward. You flail your arms around a little bit. You make a little joke, ha, ha, ha. Okay, and then that's fine. But how much trust do you really put in your background? How much do you want people to know you by that? Paul made up his mind that I don't, want, I don't really care what anybody else thinks of me as far as education or how I preach or how I teach or what I'm projecting. I just want them to know about Jesus and the message of the cross, and that was it. I have met some people in my life, let me tell you, who I forget their name, I forget like their background or their story, I just, I just remember them coming as a figure in my mind, and I just remember like that person knows Jesus and loves Jesus. That person told me, some, some truths. There have been people, uh, even when we're on mission or if we're overseas or, or even if we're in Arizona, where they, they come up and they're just like, hey, can I share my testimony? This is what God is doing. And, and they share a word from the Bible. And I'm just like, whoa, and I'm blown away. And I don't remember their name. I, I barely remember their face. I just remember that I was blown away by what God did in their life and was doing in my life. Wow. That is the Spirit's power. They were trusting not in their own image. They suddenly, like when I read this, I was suddenly free. I was, I was convicted to my heart that I'm like, man, I think I've been going about this for so long thinking, yeah, I want people to know that I'm a Christian, but also that I was educated at this place and I want them to know that you know, I'm German. Yeah, German. I love Germany. And I want people to know. Right? I wanted them to know about my culture. I wanted them to know about my background, where I live and my family. I'm showing them pictures. But really, it's like, the very, it's in the very back of my mind that like, yeah, I'll get to Jesus. I'll get, I'll get there in a minute. But I'm trying to win them first. I want to seem relatable. Paul's like, look, I decided to know nothing else among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And that's a heavy message. But there's a lot of freedom in that. We are actually at war. Do you know that? While we're on this earth, we are not like, yeah, you're in 21st century America. It's great. You got air conditioning. It's great. We could sit here and be cozy. But actually, there's a lot of people who are out there who are hurting. And we're so busy being self-involved with ourselves and trying to project our own images and trying to say, well, you know, we want to be relatable and inclusive and all of that. People need to hear that, hey, that even though there is suffering in this life, there is still hope. Even though you're trapped in an addiction, there is still hope and there is still power. And Paul is smart about this. He says, I came to you in weakness, in verse 3, with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not in wise or persuasive words. Hey, I, maybe he wasn't the best preacher in the world. And that's okay. He said, but it came in a demonstration of the Spirit's power. There was still conviction. What do you really trust in? What do you trust in when you read your scripture? What do you trust in when you are sharing with somebody else? What do you trust in when you're sharing with your family? Do you trust that, okay, I trust that God will hear my prayer, but I still, you know, I still have to appeal to these other things so that they're happy. And 
But look, he's smart. He says, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. What are we really showing people? Yeah, well, yeah, of course I trust in Jesus. There's a lot of nominal Christians. You know what a nominal Christian is? It's somebody who claims to be a Christian, but really isn't walking by the Spirit, who really isn't reading the Word, who really isn't caring that much about the things of God. They're just trying to build their own kingdom, and Jesus is sort of like this salvation insurance that happens. Like, well, if I die today, I know where I'm going at least. But that's not the life that Jesus calls us to. It's like, no, I, I want you to walk with me daily and walk by the Spirit. You'll notice these things right away uh, as, you, as you go out in the world. I mean, you may be encouraged today or you may be just kind of thinking about it a little bit, but I guarantee you walk out of the steps of here and you go back into the world, you're going to be frustrated with people. You're going to be angry and you're going to start to divide yourself uh, amongst other people. You're going to look at some people as low class. You're going to look at some people as like, okay, they're a little above me. Here's what I do. Okay, if I could just confess something. Just the other day, I've been reading through maybe the last month through Galatians chapter 5, the fruit of the Spirit, and I've been praying like, Lord, give me patience. You've seen my son. Uh, Give me patience and and gentleness because so often I just have this rage that will flare up like, I'm like, what are you doing? You don't lick a toilet handle, you know, and, you know, don't grab a knife by the blade, you know, like things like that. Like I have crazy kids, you know, and and so I'm like praying and I'm, I'm just so, I'm like, oh, what is the spirit of anger? And just the other day, I noticed it rise up when I was listening to somebody else. I was listening to another preacher, and I was like, wow, he's really good. And I started to get jealous. And that's a fruit of the flesh. That's not of the spirit and power. That's just something in me. And guess what my power started to do in my mind? I started trusting in myself by doing this, by saying, hmm, well, you know what, but, uh, you know, but, but really, he missed this and that. So, you know, I know that. So I'm a little bit smarter than him. I'm, I'm not saying I'm God. I'm just a little above the average. Well, you know, he's not as educated in this way. Can you imagine? If we had a preacher come in from, like, Africa or the middle of Asia or something, and he just, he's like, well, I didn't go to a seminary, but, you know, God has just spoken to me, and he wants it. Would you look at him different? Would you be like, oh, well, he's not as educated, so his message is, you know, whatever. Uh, that's wrong. I started judging this guy, like, really, like, I mean, I was looking for anything to slam him and knock him down in my mind. Of course, on the outside, I'm like, that was great, thank you. But on the inside, of course, I'm like, well, you know, yeah, he's right, but look at his posture. You know, I was like looking at like all of these things, like, I stand up better than you do, you know. But what I was doing, joking aside, what I was doing was actually killing him in my mind. I was trying to destroy him and slam him and push him down. Because I was trusting in myself, like, no, I need to trust in all of the abilities and smarts that I have. Oh, I'm a little, I'm, I mean, obviously better looking than this guy. I mean, nine out of ten people would agree. I'm trying to find any little thing to try to boost myself up instead of going back to the cross and saying, Jesus, help me. And I did. At the end of the day, I was driving home just, like, repenting like crazy, like, Jesus, forgive me. Remind me of the power of your cross. Because Paul doesn't just say, I resolve to know nothing among you about, uh, other than Jesus, except for Jesus. But he says, but Jesus Christ and him crucified. He goes back to the message of the cross again. If we really want to be known as people of God, who are inclusive of one another, who are unified, we need to constantly go back to the message of the cross. Well, how do we do that? In this case, I went back and I had to, and it takes some thinking, but I'm like, Jesus, I need to be reminded that you died for me, that you love me, that I am no better. You died for him. 
and that I don't have to try to be holy. I don't have to try to be better than anybody else in the room. Because I've already swapped places. My sin has been nailed to the cross, and I now have the title of holy in front of you. I don't have to try to prove anything to myself. I don't have to try to prove or like show anybody how I'm special or anything like that. It's not about me, first of all. But second, you love me, and you, you already treasure me. So why in my mind do I have to destroy everybody else? Why do I have to try to build my own kingdom? There's already one that is given to me from God. Wow. I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I actually had a lot more to this message for the whole thing, but for whatever reason, just the last two days, I've been fixating on just this passage, and I've been meditating on this for like a month because it is a game changer when it comes to what you trust in and what your identity is really in. When you walk away from a conversation with somebody, what do you want them to remember in, Remember about you? Now, if we really get to being mature Christians, hopefully the answer is nothing but Jesus and the message of the cross. Because ultimately, that's why we're here. We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not a wisdom of this age. Paul goes on to talk about the Spirit. Now, this is really cool because the Spirit is the thing that makes you a marker, a child of God. He convicts you of sin, but he also has this other, uh, this other attribute called illumination where he will bring about Scripture to your mind. He will remind you of the things of Jesus and put that trust in you. This is what separates Christians from non-Christians when we read the Bible. You see, anybody can really read the Bible. You can even be brilliant in it as a scholar. Uh, one of the 21st century, uh, one of the best New Testament um, theologians known as Karl Barth, okay? Karl Barth wrote on dogmatics, wrote on a lot of things, and a lot of people are like blown away at his theology. They're like, wow, he's really astute. Wow, he really knows the scripture. He really knows his stuff. That guy obviously knows Jesus. Well, we come to find that for decades, for decades, he was having an affair with his secretary. He was in an adulterous uh, uh, situation where actually the secretary was even living with him and his wife and his family, and he was sleeping with both women at the same time. Not at the same, same time, but <laughs> one and then the other. And when they asked him about it, he would always sort of philosophize his way around it and say, well, you know, but scripture also says this, and you know, there's grace, and there's actually enough grace for me to get over this, or, you know, in my own time, and Instead of being obedient to the word, while he knew it very well, just because he was educated and smart did not mean that there was actually the Spirit's power working in him. He wasn't relying on that. He was relying on something else. And even a child over in the children's ministry can tell you, like, oh, no, adultery, that's one of the Ten Commandments. That's, yeah, you're not supposed to do that, right? Like, a child could know that. But here, this old man who has all these years of experience and education still doesn't. The Spirit is the one who actually illuminates everything, okay? He illuminates. So if you have, if you believe that you have the Holy Spirit in you, if you believe that Jesus died for you, rose again, and sent his Spirit in you, he will illuminate the Scriptures for you, and that makes you all Illuminati. So, uh, <laughs> just kidding. The Spirit, uh, these things are revealed to us by his Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. 
For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. So that makes sense, does it not? I can't, I'm not, is it telepathic where you think of, like, you know, Dennis is here. Like, I can't, I, I don't know what he's thinking right now, right? I, is anybody, I don't think anybody here is telepathic, right? No? Okay, before I said it in the last service, I said, uh, you know, what's the word? And the one kid, there's one kid in there who's like telepathic. I'm like, that kid's telepathic, right? <laughs> Only that kid. Nobody here is telepathic. We only know our own thoughts. I can't read what anybody else is thinking right now. And in the same way, the Holy Spirit is the mind of God that is now living in you. That is crazy. So while you're out trusting all these other things, trying to find a way to make sense of the world, how to get over a breakup, how, to, how do I do all these things, all, like getting over my anger, well, you know, you count to ten, you punch a pillow. You know, there's all these different things. But really, going back to Scripture and allowing God to speak through that into your life and going back to the cross and crucifying the flesh again and again, knowing that, hey, Jesus is going to rise me out of this. I trust that. You have to trust that the same Spirit who wrote these very words that are in front of us is alive and working in you. Paul calls for this unity, like, hey, I want you to be of the same mind of Christ. Well, he says in the very last verse here, he's like, hey, we do have the mind of Christ in us. This is a very applicable when it comes to reading Scripture and when it comes to just trusting in the Spirit working in you. Here's how. I had a dessert with a friend, a different friend. Okay? This, this friend I didn't trust as much about where to have dessert, so I picked it. So we went out, and uh, we were having this conversation about uh, reading and Scripture, and he's like, oh, man, I just read this, this great book by this pastor, and I'm like, oh, wow, that's really cool. And and then I said, well, I've been reading through, you know, Galatians, and I shared about the fruit of the Spirit thing. And, and then I said, yeah, yeah what's, what's like one of the last scriptures that you kind of just remember that really spoke to you? And, uh, and he's like, ah, uh, to be honest, I don't really read the Bible much. I was like, oh, okay. He's like, yeah, I, I kind of just read um, like books about the Bible. I'm like, oh, okay, <laughs> like, you know, it's about three inches. Like, I mean, what do you mean a book's about the Bible? He's like, oh, other pastors, and he's like, they're just, they're smart. You know, they're really smart guys, and they write about the scripture. I'm like, okay, but you don't actually read it. He's like, no, 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 And he said something very important, I thought, an important revelation for both of us. He said, I don't really trust myself. I was like, what do you mean? He's like, I don't trust myself to actually read scripture and interpret it correctly. See, you're a pastor. That's different. So you're, you're like a different class. Like you're able to read through this and, you know, you're able to, you know, you know like the Greek and you have all these resources and all that. So that I understand if you trust yourself to do it. I don't trust myself, so I need help. And I said, well, hold on a minute. And, and I went directly to this passage in 2 Corinthians, or 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And I was like, do you believe that Jesus Christ died for your sins to free you? And he's like, oh, absolutely. I'm like, do you believe that he resurrected? Okay, that's important too, Okay. He's like, yeah, yeah, of course. I'm like, now, do you believe the promise that he said, I will be with you, and that he sent his Holy Spirit into the ones that he has chosen? He's like, yes. And I was like, so do you have the Holy Spirit? He's like, yes. And I was like, hallelujah. <laughs> and I was like, now, do you believe this, that the Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God? Do you believe that he will illuminate the scriptures to you and that he will convict your heart every time you read? And he really couldn't say no. I said, do you believe he has the power to do that? I was like, yeah. And I said, now, do you believe the same spirit, Romans 8, that rose Jesus from the dead is now alive in you? 
And it was like a light bulb went off in his mind. He's like, oh. He's like, yeah. I'm like, that's pretty powerful then. So you are walking around as a temple of God. And every time you open his word, he's able to speak directly to your heart and convict you. And he's like, well, I guess so. I'm like, all right, done. So do you really think that you can trust yourself? And he's like, well, no. I'm like, but you could trust God. And he's like, yeah, I trust God. I'm like, well, God is in you. And can you trust your brothers and sisters around you who are leading small groups and, and pastors and preachers? Why do you trust us? I hope it's not because of education or some sort of experience or eloquence. It's because the Spirit of God has called a pastor to preach, and, he, and he's called all of us to read through Scripture and to know what he said and to come closer into a relationship with Jesus in that way. You have to trust the Word of God because it is written by the Scripture, and you have to trust that the Holy Spirit is dwelling in you and will convict and change you in all of these ways. Okay? It takes trust. Why did I trust in my friend the, from the very first story that I told why did I trust in my friend? Because I knew him. I knew his character. I knew it was consistent. In the same way, you have to trust. If you're going to get in a car with Jesus and he just says, just trust, you'll know, you have to know that Jesus will not fail you. That that same power that was alive in him, that very mindset that he had, is now dwelling in you. And the more that you surrender and the more that you crucify the flesh, the more that you say, okay, God, I'm going to sacrifice myself. I know that I trust in, in my identity and in, in, in education or ethnicity or whatever it is that you trust yourself in all the time, my family, my, 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 my job, my benefits, all of those things. The more that we're able to say, I'm going to just give it back to you and trust in your Holy Spirit to guide me, the more that you will see God's power demonstrated and the more that you'll be able to project that to the people around you, okay? So let's, let's bow our heads at this time, and I'd like, I'd like us to just, um, I, I felt a strong urge and nudge from God to just give us some time to repent, and that means to turn away from the lifestyle and the mindset that we currently have, to completely turn away and turn and face God once again, and to start to walk towards him. And we know that this is not a God that is standing at the end of some aisle with his arms crossed and frowning like, yeah, it's about time but this is a God who actually runs out to you and embraces you. That while we are out like prodigal sons and daughters trying to grasp after what life is really about, it's right in front of us the whole time. Can we repent of putting our trust in all these other things? Putting our trust in our personality, in our looks, in our education, We begin to trust that the Holy Spirit is at work in us. Can we get, begin to trust in nothing else? And we, can we begin to identify ourselves because he's in us as children of God? Father, will you forgive us for the many times that we have conversations with one another, we have conversations uh, with uh, people outside of the church, outside of, of the people of God, outside in the wilderness in exile who don't know you yet. And oftentimes, Father, we come and 
we want to be all about what we're into, whether it's video games or, or our education or what's going on in life. And while it's good to update and encourage one another, Lord, will you forgive us of taking identity in these things? Will you forgive us of looking down on one another? Will you help us, Father God, to trust in you more? To trust that your Holy Spirit is working in us. To trust that that is true wisdom. While the rest of the world may say it looks foolish. While the rest of the world may say, why would somebody die for something they can't see? Why would somebody want to forgive when so much bad was done to them? Can we just look at the cross once again and say, that is true wisdom. Will you help direct our eyes back to you, Jesus, who humbled himself who sought reconciliation between mankind and between God and man. And will you help us to see that power and that wisdom every time we open our Bibles and every time we go out in the world and we face some of these, these fruits of the flesh in our own life, when we begin judging others, Lord, will you forgive us? And will you help us not to get even, but to get on our knees and repent and say, God, trying to build my own kingdom, will you help me? Direct me back to the cross again, and I know that your Holy Spirit will do it. Lord, we thank you. We thank you that you have the power to overcome the little kingdoms that we build. We thank you that you have the power to heal. We thank you that you have the power to convict. We thank you that we, you have the power to motivate. We thank you for loving us and sending us your son, for giving us the Holy Spirit. Will you help us to walk daily by him? Will you help us, Holy Spirit, to remember your word in times of conflict, in times of anxiety, in times of insecurity, in times of depression? In times of persecution, will you help us to remember your word? And we trust that you will. Lord, we offer up this time uh, to rejoice in you, to sing a new song. Will you fill us with your song once again? May we offer the sacrifice of our lips. Whether we're having a great week, whether we're having the worst week of our life, Lord, we sing because we know our Messiah lives. We know that there is a coming kingdom that is already here and expanding. We offer up our tithes and our sacrifices and, and, our, and our offerings in trust of you, knowing that you are the sole provider of all things. We offer up this time to one another, to hear one another, to encourage one another, to love one another. We thank you for this time of worship in Jesus' name. Amen.